Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Going electric? Plug into the Kia e-range of EVs and PHEVs. Kia. Movement that inspires. Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Going electric? Plug into the Kia e-range of EVs and PHEVs. Kia. Movement that inspires. 0818 715 815. Hello, good afternoon and a very welcome to Liveline. Straight to Barra and straight to Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. Alan, what's happening as we speak? Well, Joe Stone Barra is really starting to uh, make itself felt across many parts of the country now. Winds increasing in the west. Um, Money Point Station in Clare has suddenly started to increase in the last half hour. Galway was in the eye of the storm, but the uh, the eye is moving east now which means that areas that had a false sense of security are going to see winds increasing very strongly. The top gust so far has been 135 kilometres an hour at Shirkin Island, with sustained winds of 111 kilometres an hour, which is not far off the, uh, the sustained winds that Ophelia brought to Roaches Point. So really, Barra has been made, making itself being felt. A lot of power outages, a lot of trees down. Mm. And as I say, as the eye of the storm moves through the country, people are going to get a false sense of security. Okay, so take, take 5, 5 p.m. this afternoon, What uh, insofar. And you're very good, as indeed Met Aaron have been um, at predicting. But, but, but what, what's, the, what's the scene going to be like at 5 p.m. this afternoon? Who's going to be in the middle of it? At 5pm, really, the Midlands is going to be in that little bit of a lull and also some parts of um, the North Midlands, North West. But the strong winds are going to really be felt along the West Coast by 5 o'clock. The South and the East Coast is still going to see some very strong winds as well. Mm-hmm. And then that lull will slowly move across the country, Joe. So probably by the time people, you know, maybe 7, 8 o'clock, some parts of the east will see a bit of a lull, but they'll pick back up again tonight. Very strong winds overnight tonight. This is a very unusual system in mm-hmm. that it's very slow moving and it's really going to make itself felt right through tonight and into tomorrow morning. And rain, what's the rainfall predictions? Yeah, the rainfall is a little bit more haphazard because it's mainly showers. So the, the real heavy rain this morning was kind of a concentrated band of rain. But there is some very heavy squally yeah. showers again around the eye of that storm. So you could see some thunderstorms and you could see some very heavy downpours. But they're a little bit harder to predict. Um, can you predict whether the schools will be open tomorrow? Well, the weather warnings have been updated to, um, to include some orange warnings now for Donegal and for Leitrim and for Sligo. So Donegal is going to have an orange warning now from 2 o'clock tomorrow morning until 2 p.m. tomorrow. And Leitrim and Sligo has an orange warning coming into effect at 8 o'clock tonight until 8 o'clock tomorrow. So there's still going to be very strong winds. And we have to remember there is a status yellow wind and rain warning which stays in place right across the country until 6 p.m. tomorrow. So a hard one to call there for some areas, especially in the northwest. And then obviously, Joe, a lot of damage, a lot of power outages. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be tough, tough for the ESB crews trying to get power restored. So I know locally here in Carlow, we were in the yellow warning and schools were to remain open, but some had no power this morning, so they needed to close. So I think it's going to be a little bit more of a localised kind of case-by-case scenario. And who's, who's in red now? Who's in the red warning zone now? Dublin, so Cork and Kerry... It's expired in Dublin, hasn't it? Well, Dublin was never in red. Okay, so okay. Dub, Dub, Dublin was in orange. 
Um, but Cork and Kerry is is in red right, at the moment, okay. and and Clare is going to come into the red zone at four pm. Okay, so um, be very so, careful. Yeah, so really stay indoors during those those red warning times because it is. It and is do you think there are going to be any more red warnings announced this afternoon? Looking at the the tracking of it. It's very hard to call what, what yeah. my air might do in that regard, but there's certainly a risk for, for some parts of Galway Mayo, especially near the coast, maybe not county-wide, you know, but, but certainly in parts of coastal areas, um, there's a risk of some very strong damage and wind, and the same even into Mayo um, and maybe South Donegal. So, you know, orange is still very serious as well. Yeah, even yeah. if it's not red, you know, orange can, can, can bring gusts, and it's sustained winds. And the other thing, Joe, which is a bit of a tricky one, is the wind direction is changing. So mm-hmm. you could have a gust of 100 kilometres an hour earlier and the tree beside you was fine, but all of a sudden when the wind direction changes, that could have a different impact. So the wind direction is changing as the storm pulls through as well. So people will see different impacts through the afternoon and into tonight and even into tomorrow morning. And obviously that wind chill as well, Joe, very cold. Yeah. So if, if people don't have power, they might want to start thinking about how they're going to keep themselves warm this evening. Good point. Good point. The ESB. And remember, if you go onto the ESB website, the Power Outreach website, you'll get uh, fantastic information, especially on when they hope to have power cuts um, um, restored or power restored. Um, stay there for a sec, Alan, if you could, please. Rachel, what happened this morning? Where were you? Um, so I was en route to work and I was in Starbucks in Bray okay. um, and it was myself and two of the baristas uh, were just looking out the window, uh, commenting on the weather and all of a sudden we saw a bubble. A bubble? A bubble. A bubble? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how, how big was the bubble? Um, God, I'd say if it was beside me, um, it would probably have been up to like above my knee anyway. Okay, and that was just rolling down the street? Yeah, um, it and was where, where did the bobble fobble from? It bobbled from, um, so it was up on Bray Main Street. It was attached to Bannon's Jewellers. Um, and obviously with the wind, it just... Took off. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, the alliteration possibilities are endless with That's the bobbles behaving badly. <laughs> and Rachel, um, it's, it's like, well, it's also a warning to people. Everyone has, sorry, outdoor public lighting, Christmas decorations are up. Was that a was that a Christmas decoration bauble and bannons or was it a normal bauble and bannons? Yeah, it was it was a Christmas decoration and I don't know if you've actually watched the video. Oh, but I have, yeah, mesmerised. You can see a car swerving to avoid yeah. it. Now, it did, I kind of followed it. I stopped the video and I followed its little journey um, down Bray Main Street and it seemed to have kind of veered off into another kind of business and down a residential road. So it, it got off the road fairly quick and it didn't cause any, any crashes, thankfully. Now, Rachel, you must be very, very tall if you say the bauble only came up to your to below your knee because when I was looking at it, I looked at that bauble was much bigger than you were saying it was. <laughs> Um, yeah, like it's, I'm, I'm definitely not tall. I'm very short. Um, but yeah, it's, I suppose it's kind of hard to gauge. Um, but yeah, it was big enough. And the weather was that the end of the weather bomb in Bray with the bomb? Um, no, from it Bannons? was kind of it was it was in the middle of it. So it was about half eight this morning. Um, so we still got battered for at least another hour afterwards. So Bray was battered by the by the weather bomb, and the bobble from Bannons came bounding down the street. See the alliteration possibilities. Is that- <laughs> Is that the end of it or the bend of it? The, the, the bend of the ball yes. from balance in Bray. <laughs> from the weather bomb. Now, what, what, what has Bray survived, hopefully? 
Um, yeah, just about. Um, uh, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't seem like there's a, a huge amount of damage. Um, power is still on, and um, the rain has stopped anyway for now. Okay. Well, so far, I think one of the warnings from Metairn and the likes of Alan and indeed the government have been so strong in the last 24 hours that hopefully, fingers crossed, people stay in. Listen to what Alan is saying about Claire going back into red at four o'clock. Listen to what Alan is saying about tonight, the winds uh, doubling back and having another whack at us. And listen to what Alan is saying about rain. So if you can, do absolutely uh, stay indoors and don't take any risks in Dublin. Furbigator saying to people be really careful about falling electricity wires because they are obviously live and uh, very, very dangerous. Is is Margie there? Is Margie there for me? Margie? Margie? Are you there, Margie? Are you there, Margie Morphy from Summerhill in County Mead? Today is full of alliteration. Are you there, Margie? No. How are you? Yeah, come 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 closer to me, will you, Mar? What are you doing? Are you how is how is Mead faring at this stage? I'm in the house. I'm in the house. I'm staying indoors now in Summerhill okay. County, Mead. I'm Summer- watching the the wind howling outside now. But uh, so far now, it's not as bad as what the other parts of the country have. But God, you wouldn't be going for a walk. But yeah, and, and what's the prediction, Alan, for Mead? Yeah, so Mead will see the increase again tonight as well. Um, so it will see some some strong winds this afternoon, but really probably after midnight tonight they'll really start to pick up again in Mead as well. So uh, a very heavy spell of uh, rain as well moving through at times. So if it's been nice, you might want to make sure you tape it down. A good, yeah, yeah. A good point, bins, yeah, wheelie bins. Um, okay, Margie, you've you've written, you've listened, you were listening there to Rachel talking about the bauble from Bray bounding down the main street uh, as after being hit by the weather bomb, and you've written a quick poem. I've written just a few lines. And Joe. What's, is, is, is Rachel is Rachel gone? She is. Would you, do you, what's it called? It's called the Barra Bomb. <laughs> the okay. barra bomb. And well then oh. get, get get the wind in your sails there and take I, it take a deep breath. A deep breath. Deep breath and fill your lungs and perform this. We need it badly. And it's a warning to people please stay indoors and please okay. be extra. Okay, Margie Murphy from Summerhill in County Mead, currently being battered by Barra, uh, has written a poem. Uh, could be that uh, the, the poem is called The Barra Bomb. Off you go, Margie. Okay, Joe, thanks. The Barra Bomb. Don't go to work. Stay where you are. Don't take a plane, a train or a car. I'm calling in to see you. I'm not staying very long. My thunder will call you, cause you headaches. My wind is very strong. Lock up your sons and daughters and your garden gnomes. I'll cause merry havoc all around your home. I know that I'm not wanted. You'll want me to go, even though I'm famous on telly and radio. I'll see you all later. I'll be wearing red. Watch me from the telly. Watch me on the telly from the comfort of your bed. That's it, Joe. Well Short done. And well, done. <laughs> well, well, that that leads me into the next question to Alan O'Reilly. Alan, when will we see the back of Barra? Uh, really, it'll be Thursday, but by by tomorrow evening, things will be improving. Um, but it's still going to be rather breezy, even tomorrow evening in in parts of the north and northwest. So Thursday, really, before we really see the back of Barra, before he really has moved on. Then you mean Thursday morning, Thursday lunch, insofar as ah, yeah, by. By the time you get up for your breakfast Thursday, things will be a little bit back to normal. Okay. And we're approaching the shortest day of the year, aren't we? We are indeed, yeah. That's not far away, nine days. Not far away, nine. So it's 
So it's going to be dark as well. That's what I'm thinking. It's dark from early on. Just be really, really careful. Really careful. Okay, Alan, good to meet you, Malcolm. We might talk to you at three o'clock if you can to get it to get an update at two minutes to three. That's Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather. He's a brilliant Twitter page because uh, as does Matt Aaron, but Alan is a, a brilliant and he do, he's an amateur in the sense of he's not paid for this, but he's a professional in terms of his, in terms of his uh, ability uh, to predict and read all the various charts, computers. Uh, readouts from all over the world. Thanks, Andrew Riley of of uh, Carlo Weather. Uh, Joe at rt.ie 0818-715-815. John Arnold, John, where are you? I'm in back in me civil parish of Guthrie, Barney of of Barrymore in the county Carcho. Okay. And Equidistant. Well, well, probably twenty miles from the city, eight miles from from my and a, and a farm here in a little place called Bantamay. The one thing we won't get. We won't get flooded because you have to come up a hill to get okay. to the village. Just four four hills, but um, just just bad. But probably like wouldn't wouldn't be as bad now. So far, wouldn't uh, anything like as bad as Ophelia so far. Okay. We were out now this morning, obviously in the fair. I'm just seeing after the stock, and it was bad enough there. Say eight o'clock till maybe half past nine. But since that has been dark and we've had heavy rain, the wind is coming and going in gusts at about twelve o'clock. We just savage gusts. We're only looking out now because we brought in enough firing and fuel we'll have to venture out again now in the afternoon just to see after stock and things again but thankfully so far we have power and, and we have heat so we're not too bad we decided what we do is we break a tradition normally we might wait last for the 8th of December so when we can't do anything outside we're going to put it up to Christmas tree today instead you know and what about the stock I don't know okay like we wouldn't be we have huge stock here we have just about 70 animals <coughs> and the rest Bulk of them are indoors. They were indoors already, anyhow. But um, actually, you know, just have to mind them. And if yeah, you had okay. no power, you'd have trouble. You'd have trouble cleaning out sheds with automatic scrapers. If you had no power, you'd be trying to do that hand. But touch wood, we have power so far. And okay. uh, you, you just have to mind them and feed them a bit. Okay. I'll ask you about, yeah, ask yeah. about different animals. Like, stay there, John. Jim O'Neill is in Navan County. Me, Jim. What are you witnessing? Joe, uh, 20 minutes ago, it's not just at the moment, 20 minutes ago I was mm. just coming up through Navan Town, up towards uh, what's known as Flower Hill, over the bridge at Fox's Pub, where Fox's Pub used to be, and where the boy in meets the black water, there was actually a man down in the water on a board windsurfing. My God. With the sail attachment that you would see them in, say, in the, at the but seaside. I, but, I, the, but I thought that every organisation said, every uh, force responder organisation said, please don't take to the water. But I'm sure I've heard that myself. I've heard that myself for people to be really, you know, careful and and, and that type of thing about going out and that. But this is just, I could not believe it. I was driving across the bridge going, I live in Navan, just up to the top of Flower Hill going home and I just couldn't believe it. The traffic was moving so I couldn't stop to have a, it's a one-way system over the bridge. I couldn't stop to have a a, a good look over the bridge, so to speak. But uh, I couldn't believe what I seen. And there was people there sort of standing at the bridge. There was a couple of people clapping at him. Now, I don't know if they knew him or not, but he was, it's just where the bind meets the black water in Navan, and he was going around in just a big circle, just round and round and round. I seen him two or three times going around before I passed over the bridge. And I just I just couldn't believe it. I seen him. Yeah, but it's, it's, not, it's not as if uh, we're living in... in the middle of a tundra where there might not be a wind from one end of the year or indeed a desert from one end of the year to the other and everyone's waiting on a gust of wind or a drop of rain. We get wind most days in Ireland. You can yeah. windsurf most days in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, but not where, where this person was doing it. It's something that's that's normally done on a lake or on at the seaside of that. Okay. You know, well, we have, you um, and you know, we're all urged not to be putting, say, the emergency yeah, services at, at, at risk by taking them out on 
on, on, on calls uh, like this, which I would class as stupid, to tell you the truth. OK, well, I think your classification is bang on. It's you bang know, on, yeah, Jim. Yeah. OK, thanks, and, thanks indeed, no, Jim. No, more than welcome. Thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, Erica Coates. Erica, where are you, Erica? In Kildainen, in Rakarmakan, in Ruwargatildeh, in between the three roads. OK, and how, how, how did it fare down there, Erica? Not as bad as what I was, I was expecting worse, but uh, I have a couple of off the dwelling house, all right, but uh, no, no major trees down. It's been kind of under the, the south, under the hill from the south, not landed facing down to the, the river. And Erica, do, 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 do all stock have to be taken in in a storm? Do sheep have to be taken? I know cattle do. You're not really. Depending where you are, or, or like I'll be south, Kind of uh, doesn't affect me that that bad. It kind of the suction, or it depends. But as if it turns north uh, west, that's what the, that's my boggy side. That's what fucking do a lot of damage here. Okay, I'll ask uh, John Arnold the same question. John, do, do all your stock have to be taken in? Or is there some stock that will be fine in a in in high wind? Would this, would sheep, for example, gather in a corner of a field and protect each other? Yeah, you see, it depends, I suppose, on the lay of the land, as I like said there, because if you have, we're looking up here, we have a fine sheltered farm with a lot of old ditches, but normally, stardom or no stardom, nearly all animals would be indoors this time of the year, and yeah, we have everything in except a few railings. There'd be calves that were born this year, there'd be light animals, they're still out, and they're in a sheltered field, they'd be <coughs> coming in the next few days, but um, yeah, sheep, the, the big trouble that could affect sheep in a bad way <coughs> is a few drifts of snow, and they tended to go into maybe corners and get covered with drifts of snow, but um, we haven't that so far. But <clears throat> like traditionally, the way farming has gone, the vast majority of animals are housed for the winter. Like we we dried off our cows; they're not milking anymore now till the end, till they'll be calving in February. So they're mm-hmm. all dried off and they're indoors and they're kind of self-feeding. They feed away. We have to put silage and give them silage each day. But we fed them now this morning and they live enough till this evening. We might shove in. My, uh, my, I'm lucky enough, Joe here, as you know, I'm, I'm married to a farmer and she mm-hmm. does the, the tractor work and I do the manual work on the ground. She tells me what to do, so I kind of work. Well, so we fed them this morning, and we left to go out now in the evening just just to make sure the cubicles are clean where they lie and things like that. But they'd be comfortable. But you'd notice they spend the most of these days now instead of being out eating out in the open. But again, they're inside lying down because they need shelter and they need a bit of warmth as well. But uh, you know, like as Erica said, Erica would be only she'd be only five or six miles across the country for me, and uh, we'd be kind of the same, nearly the same, like land the same bright valley. But it's not as bad yet. But listening to Allendale, I, I mean, I wouldn't be saying we're out of the woods yet because the way Alan mm-hmm. spoke is at the south we, we could get the, the corner like it is a strange storm because I mean any of the ones in the past like Ophelia could come over a space maybe an hour get bigger and bigger move on and then to be gone whereas I mean he's talking about this coming again this evening and lasting right until tomorrow you know so I mean it's a, it's an unusual storm that, that is lasting so long I don't understand how storms work or they work but this is an, an outlier as far as they go and and what I can notice just outside now it was just now at the moment it was bright the, the light is coming up and down, I suppose, depending as I'm as I'm talking, now I can hear the wind howling in the chimney. Looking out the window, I'm looking out two windows of the house, and the trees are the trees aren't overly active. Their bushes are moving around, but like we've got a big ash and sycamore trees around the house, and they're not waving dramatically like they were. Okay, at so o'clock, that's that's good. Know? That's good news. Yeah, uh, Eri- Erica, how did you manage during the lockdown? During because the last time we spoke, Erica was just before the pandemic began. Um, how how have you managed in the nearly two years since? It is, it is difficult enough, and what I missed a lot, uh, when there's 
last year there now was there's a meeting or a body or anything like if one of you go in we say if you go shopping you like to go into a restaurant then all from my or a car we're going to have a cup of coffee and as a relax and have the world grown that you're still a part of the human race but yeah. the, when everything was closed down I found that difficult enough but uh if friends are afraid to call, then you'll be afraid to go everywhere. Oh, God. And what what was it like? Because I'm very conscious when you were on the last time, Erica, you you announced to the world that you were going to self self identify as a woman, um, and that you were you were thinking of transitioning completely. How how have you managed in the two years with that part of your life, which is obviously but, uh, a very very important part of your life? By the way, I saw you on Ear to the Ground last week with Alice Shannon. <laughs> You look the two. Yep. The two of you looked absolutely fantastic. You look yep. great. You look absolutely. But tell us how you've managed in in that journey in the last two years, Erica. Well, living away you now as Erica all the time now, but uh, right, a job enough to get uh, anywhere with doctors. But uh, eventually, I got to the endocrinologist. But uh, we know we're starting the the journey. Hopefully, fairly soon. Or the, the paperwork to be started yet with them, but. Uh, I think we're get, we're about to get get there, but um, they're just like all hospital issues. Mm-hmm. Oh, we've made everything in way a thousand times worse. They weren't good before. Yeah. That made everything worse. Yeah. But um, but it was a great reaction to years around and uh, and the problem with the next week. And more texts and phone calls, and even I got in, in a couple of cards from people right. that I didn't know, and even a, a little scratch a scratch card gift. From a person I never met, uh, congratulating me and, and thanking me for what I did. That's uh, yeah. unbelievable. That, uh, but, it, but I think the whole thing, Joe, that, uh, as I say, your problems put it going for state. Uh, like myself, I didn't, three years ago, I didn't even know what a transgender person was. And uh, yeah, yeah. that's what uh, it educated a lot of people. Yeah, sure and, did. Uh, sure did. Like we're born in, like, like the Children's Hospital in Dublin, or just full of. of, of uh, Children born, all sorts of different problems and uh, yeah, yeah. different ways. And uh, well, you, were ex- were, you, were, you were extraordinarily brave then, and you're extraordinarily. And you, you, by the way, I, I I don't envy the job you have on the farm. It's non-stop. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know, and I know you're in your 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 lovely day clothing, but Erica, you you still had to put on your Wellington boots for a lot of the. A lot of the filming, didn't you? Like it's, oh, yeah, we, it's, it's we not. Did, you looked glamorous, but it's not a glamorous job, is it? Well, but there's, well, there's some days it's like when you're fine weather and out in the yeah, of course, out yeah. In the, the fields and, and, and lovely greenery under and all the trees around the places you can see in the hilly. But uh, there's, there's days you're up to the eyeballs and most of the language <laughs> as well. Okay, well, stay and, and stay well, Erica. I wish you and yours a very uh, happy Christmas. And above all, stay safe now over the next uh, yeah. 36 hours. And to you as well, John Arnold. Um, yeah, like, okay, likewise, yeah. both of you in Cork. Okay, okay where, where's Con? Is Con gone? Was Con was on my screen, but now he's gone. He said the ferry. Oh, Con, right. you're, where are you, Con? Uh, wild Wicklow. See, he's already had uh, Baltic Bray or Bobbles and Bray. Bobbles right? and Bray, wild, yeah. What the did wild you? waves of Wicklow. Okay, and what what did you witness in the wild waves of Wicklow? While I was uh, just having my bowl of soup, I'd say an hour, less than an hour ago, I uh. said to myself, "There's a." I'm surprised to see Irish ferries were out after seeing the height of the waves. Okay, because they and go from what, Dublin to Cherbourg, from Fra- yeah, or, or Roscommon, one of them places. Yeah, there, yeah. And while I was still eating the soup, 
didn't they both turn around and sailed back to Dublin? OK, well, that's that's probably, uh, I presume it's for safety. Oh, and it has to be. Well, it's a south wind at the minute, so they were sailing into the wind, which would have been tough. Yeah, and Alan was saying Wexford, which they'll have to, they basically head down to Carnesor Point and then head uh, from where they're, they're mm-hmm. from their bridge, they had uh, they had left and then over below England around Cornwall. Okay, yet they're right. Yeah. And, uh, we'll, we'll check with Irish ferries, but everyone is okay. Mm-hmm. But you see, you spotted that they did a U-turn outside Greystones on the roundabout yeah. there. First time I ever okay. saw that. And what's, yeah. what's the weather like in Greystones now? Is it grey? Grey is right. <laughs> grey and windy. Okay. What We've had to call off our... our, our uh, I'm with the Blue Dolphins Special Olympics Club. We had uh, to call off our training tonight okay. because of it. <laughs> and how, how do you manage your training uh, with the COVID restrictions between now and January the 9th? Uh, pods of six. Six okay. people at a time, yeah. Okay. Well, stay safe. It's great work to do. <laughs> Thanks indeed. We'll just, we'll just Thanks, du- we'll double check with Irish Ferries. Uh, that that the ship is, uh, I presume it's the is it the WB8? I don't know who they have on that run now. Okay, con con go to me the Mahogat Joe at RT.ie five one double five one oh eight one eight on oh eight one eight seven one five Live line on RTE Radio One with Kia. Discover our two to one offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to kia.com. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie. Uh, Helen, good afternoon. When, Helen, when did you discover that you were a criminal? <laughs> Hiya, Joe. How are you doing? <laughs> what happened? Well, it's a bit of a gas story now. Okay. So, like a lot of people, I got into feeding the birds during our lockdowns last year. Okay. Um, got really into it, was buying all this bird food and everything. Um, and they were very particular now, the birds. They, you know, there were certain ones they liked and certain ones they didn't like. Okay. And um, so after a bit of research, I found this bird seed that they were lapping up. And that was grand. I had I had the big bird feeder. We have a big pot of bamboo down the bottom of the garden. Okay. And I had the big bird feeder in that, and I had a whole selection for them and everything. And there was loads of, we were getting loads of sunflowers kind of growing up and everything, and... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just kind of left it for from, and do, you, do you reckon, Helen, it was from the seed that was being rejected by the board, so to speak? Yeah, well, they'd just be dropping it, yeah, you know, they'd yeah. be okay. pecking away at it, and it was all kind of all around the ground, and there was a few other weeds and stuff. Right. And uh, and then I spotted one, and I said to myself, holy moly, that looks a bit like a hash plant. Oh, no. But I laughed it off, and I said, well, obviously it's not, you know. And... Uh, a couple of weeks, I kind of forgot about it. And a couple of weeks later, then I was down. And next minute, there was another one or two of these little, mm-hmm. interesting-looking little plants. And the one, the original one that was there, had gotten a lot bigger. And I was like, oh, that really does look like a hash plant. So I took a picture of it and sent it to somebody who I thought might be familiar with the plant, shall we say. Okay. And they texted me back and they said, yeah, that's, that's the big marijuana plant you have growing there. You were growing cannabis. So yeah, we were growing cannabis, which is now, which is which is illegal. It is illegal. So we obviously got in a bit of a panic and and pulled them up, and uh, and did a bit of googling. Um, mm-hmm. So it turned out there was a woman in England, and the same thing had happened to her that she was. They were obviously hemp seeds that ah. were in the bird seed. So the boards the, down. It was the boards. What done? The boards are the guilty party if you were raided by the guards. 
the birds did it, Joe. The birds did it. It was nothing to do with me. But I would the, have I would have sang like a canary and ratted them out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I've never heard of that before. Be be careful. Yeah. Be careful with your board seed because it might grow cannabis and you could end up as a jailbird. This is this. This is well. I tell you now, what you'll love about this is the bird seed I was buying. Um, it was actually coming in from the Netherlands. So no, say no more. Say no more. <laughs> So that's it. So we pulled them up anyway, and we put them in the compost bin, and uh, and there's been there's been nothing since now. Okay, I'm say, keeping my eyes out. Say, say, say with us, Helen. Joe at RT.ie. Jim Wilson of Boardwatch Ireland and the Derek Mooney goes wild on one show uh, on a Monday night. Jim. Joe, how are you doing? Have you ever heard of this before? <laughs> Boards growing dope. Uh, our, our secret is out. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, Yeah, very, very rarely. Very, very rarely. Um, Hemp or cannabis would not be a normal constituent of wild uh, bird mix usually, mm-hmm. um, but but obviously when 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 they're putting these mixes together, they're 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 buying seeds from various places, uh, and and rightly so, hemp does sometimes end up in it, but okay. rarely, if ever, does it does it actually germinate and and grow as well, you know. So um, so not unheard of, but not not that common because it, it normally isn't. Mm-hmm. A constituent of most of the seed mixes that I would be familiar, or that Birdwatch Ireland would sell, or garden centres would sell. But Jim, I suppose at this stage, if Helen was to be arraigned yeah. under the Drugs uh, Act as amended uh, two thousand and four, where the growing of cannabis is strictly illegal, um, could you would you stand up in court and say she's an innocent woman? You're right. <laughs> Well, 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 no, Joe. That that's that's a whole other thing, really. I'd have to check with my my uh, my uh, my yes. lawyer on that, my solicitor, because really the thing would be, I would be able to stand up in court and say it is not unheard of. Okay, well, that's, because yeah, of course, okay. what we could end up with, no, Joe, thanks to uh, live line and the subject <laughs> being raised, is people will be deliberately planting. Oh, hope not. <laughs> the seeds under there and, and just stick a, a bird seed feeder over it and say well your honour I, I, that was the bird I, I, I wasn't I didn't know it I don't yeah. even know what they look like you know what I mean so yeah I mean it would it would definitely uh, be a, a, um, you, it could be used as an argument to get you off the hook for sure but uh, now that everybody knows about it or most people in Ireland will know about it uh, maybe not Okay, but, uh, Helen um, you weren't tempted, and I've been serious, that you weren't tempted to ring the guards and say, put your hands up and say, listen, just for your own information, this can happen around a board cedar because there might come a time where somebody is mistakenly accused of growing cannabis and not realising that it's around a board cedar. Do you follow me? Yeah, I didn't think of that, Joe, to be now, honest. Now, that being um, said, you contacted us, so you are adding to the to the information that's in the ether about board seeds and where cannabis can grow. We, well, to be honest, we wanted to kind of keep us a bit quiet. Okay, because, that's why you, know, that's why you're and, and here line. I am on Liveline, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll, keep it, we'll, keep it, we'll keep it to ourselves. Okay, Helen, stay safe. Where are you, Helen? What part of the world in terms of the weather? I'm over in the west. It's pretty ah, blowy. Pretty okay. blowy, pretty blowy. I tell blowy. you, there'll be a few hemp seeds blown across the, the gardens here now. Where are you, Jim? 
Uh, Joe, I'm down here in Cove in County Cork, oh, yeah. and uh, we had a, an, outi- an outage already, a power outage, uh, but thankfully uh, to all, all those uh, men and women out there trying to get our power back, they got it back within half an hour here in Cove. Oh, we had great. some trees down, a few trees down, but not, nothing major yet, but we, we're, we're waiting for a, a bigger blow this afternoon yeah, and this evening, so, according yeah. to me. Yeah. But so far, thankfully, no, no major damage and nobody injured, thanks be to God. And what about boards? And they're, yeah. they're well used, but are they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends on where, like, for example, seabirds, you know, because mm-hmm. these birds who, who, who spend their life at sea, they only come ashore to breed. I mean, they live out there. They're tough as nails. And some of them are only the size of, of, a, of a blackbird or a starling, you know, but they're out there with wow. nowhere to hide. But what they do is they actually can sense the, these systems coming and they literally get out of the way. As the wind is increasing, they, they fly with the wind rather than into the wind. And then they regroup once that weather system has passed through and they come back. The big problem really is for birds born this year. So for birds like that, like shearwaters and puffins that might have been born on places like like the famous the Schelligs, mm-hmm. um, it's their first time out on this what looks like a desert to us, out there on the ocean. And they're the ones that can get caught up in it because they're not, they haven't, they're not savvy yet. They haven't had the experience. And they can get blown far inland. They can can die, get caught in in the middle of it. We've had, you know, examples where Birdwatch Ireland would be called, like we had a person and they said they had a funny goose in their farm in Tipperary. They actually had a gannet. Now a gannet, is a fish eater, sea fish. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it doesn't like the land at all other than when it has to come to make a nest. So this thing was blown way inland and the poor thing was totally disorientated. But it was brought back to the coast and flew off again. So yeah, I mean, birds, the land birds then, like the birds in your garden and that, you see, it's kind of sheltered. So, so they they, mm. they can they can go into the into the, the hedges and the yeah, bushes. Yeah, um, the, the trees you might have herons or rooks who nest in trees. They might lose a tree or two, and so have to find somewhere else to nest next summer. But in general, the water birds, the ducks, as you know, I I, I have a saying I say sometimes when the, when it's so wet, I said you wouldn't even put a duck out of it out in that weather. You know, the ducks can take the rain and all that, and again they'll move and get shelter, and once it's passed, they're back out again. So most birds, well adapted uh, to these conditions, but the younger birds, especially seabirds, you know, with what gusts of over 130 mm-hmm. kilometres at the moment, and you know, they move, how long move would, out of the way. How long would the sea, does the seabird stay constantly over the sea? Yeah. Did, it, did yeah. they ever come to yeah. land? Yeah, they do to, to, to raise a family. I mean, okay. I, I work as a wildlife tour leader, and I've worked on small small ships in the Arctic and the Antarctic and all, all the way up and down the Atlantic. And when people are out on deck and we're away from land, hundreds of miles out, they, they ask immediately, what are they doing out here? Yeah, you know, exactly, you know yeah. and, and I have to tell them, you've got to take your human brain out because actually the birds are, the seabirds are the ones who are saying, what the hell are those land creatures doing way out here? Because the seabirds are at home. They, they, they mm-hmm. live on it, they Sometimes they sleep on it, they feed on it. And, and what's really interesting, too, is when you compare the size of, of a garden bird, most small garden birds, like a robin, will rarely reach five years of age. Okay. They, 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 they have lots every year, and they live, live short lives, 
short and fast. But seabirds of a similar size can live to be 30 or 40 or even 50 years of age. Oh and God. you would think that they're the ones that would be, the seabirds would be the ones that would have the short life living way out there through a winter of storms. And not, not their tough as nails. I mean, the longest lived bird we know is an albatross. And a female still laying eggs and she's over 70 years of age. And she could be over wow. 100 as far as we know. Wow. So, so when we're all tucked up in our houses like we are today, yeah, all home yeah. from school and everything, you know, you think of these, these amazing birds that are out there and taking this in their stride with no, none of the mod cons we have to keep ourselves safe. And they're out there and they're just doing it. Some of them traveling upwards of 120 kilometers an hour ahead of the wind, gliding away from the storm. Unbelievable. I mean, just incredible creatures. And I'm glad you asked me the question because it is true. What do, they don't all come to shore. The seabirds don't all come to shore. <laughs> they just move to another area well, I of see, the Atlantic. I noticed early yesterday morning I was out on the bull wall. The Brent geese are back. Yes, they're back from Canada. They are. Yeah, they're wow. back in. I mean, Dublin is, is probably one of the best places in the world uh, in an urban environment to actually see these birds who have spent the summer in the high Arctic. Believe it or not, some of them may have seen polar bears. Can you imagine that? The oh, birds gosh. that are out, out, out around, uh, you know, Sandy Mount or, or any of these places on any of the greens, they, they, they could have been born in June or July and they could have seen a polar bear, you know, before they left. And then they fly here for the winter because it's, you know, you don't stay in the high Arctic. It's pitch dark and freezing cold. So they come here to Ireland uh, where they're relatively mild, spend the winter here and then fly back again. And they sometimes they'll, they'll stop off like in Iceland, which is like a little stepping stone for them along incredible, the way and, and feed up there. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah, and absolutely. They're, they're the only thing that flew into Ireland the last few days without getting a PCR. <laughs> well, this is it. And I mean, I know we, we can't avoid, the, 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 and I might as well mention it now, the, um, the bird flu. Okay, you know, yeah. which, which which is affecting, unfortunately, affecting a lot of poor poultry uh, okay. uh, farmers at the moment. Uh, bird flu is in the wild bird population all the time. It doesn't affect humans. It doesn't affect humans. I must mm-hmm. be clear about that. Okay. But but they, especially water birds, and if you've got huge numbers of like ducks, geese, you know, uh, turkeys, all that sort of stuff in close quarters, like the way we we bring a lot of them mm-hmm. up. Um, then it doesn't take much if one of them gets infected, it just runs right through. And and, and they, they die a slow suffering death. I think oh, you covered gosh. it on the news last night. And, and would, in, Brent, would, 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 the, would the likes of Brent Geese who've just Brent Geese have just arrived from Canada, would they bring in board flu? Uh, I, I'm, I, I will I will say I'm not sure. If they, it's okay. usually birds that come here from Europe uh, oh, okay. is, is often where it is. And and to be honest, as I say, they, they you should report it. If you see a, a, a wetland bird, so if you see a duck or a mm-hmm. swan or a goose uh, and it's it's dying or okay. dead, you should you should report it to the Department of Agriculture because they 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 want to know this. Oh, that's interesting. To, yeah. to see if 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 they're if it's spreading, we, we get it every winter. Just that usually it doesn't hop to the domestic um, flocks. Yeah, you know that that's the thing. But they are beautiful to watch. They really ah, are truly beautiful to watch. Absolutely, we're so privileged to have them yeah, there. Here, and of here, course, here, since, here. since COVID, since COVID, 
I mean, our numbers in Birdwatch Ireland doing the Garden Bird Survey, which is open to everybody, had doubled. Our membership wow. has gone up. Yeah, people realised that. Do you not really the 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 5K restriction really forced people to be resourceful in how to occupy their time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that was available to almost everybody was, was nature. Hey, and, yeah. and as a result, they had the kids to try and keep them occupied. They can't keep them indoors all the time, so they brought them out. And groups like Birdwatch Ireland, you know, gave out loads of information and posters and stuff and the schools we linked in with the schools online and and, and I'm hoping it will stick you know well human done. nature well Joe yeah, well you know done. we were all clapping the, 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 the front yeah. line staff at the start yeah. and that passes but hopefully it will stick I'm just thinking about the the plea to everyone to get out of nature. The only people who can't go out at the minute are the people in Mill Street because their public park was closed yesterday oh, for, a, for a month. You know why? To to facilitate a coursing event. A oh, no. coursing event, yes. And the hares are stored, in, uh, as we heard from one of the townspeople last week. Now, I think the town is split over it. Um, mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. Uh, the hares are st- uh, hares are mm-hmm. stored in the park right mm-hmm. over Christmas, and then the mm-hmm. the event is on the fourth to second of January, and they let the hare out. Now they say they say the two fifty pound greyhounds don't do any damage to the one and a half pound hare, but. Uh, they terrified him, to say the least. But anyway, uh, that point was made in our programme recently. Jim Wilson of Boardwatch Ireland, well done, Jim. And uh, stay safe, stay safe, stay <laughs> Thanks, safe. Thanks, Joe. Stay safe. keep an eye on the boards. Thank Good you. Luck. Bye-bye. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Coming soon, the all-new Sportage. For more, log on to kia.com. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Said it before, say it again. After all, hardly a day goes by, an hour goes by, where we don't hear another housing expert on um, uh, radio or television talking about the need for and the catastrophic state of, etc., etc., which is true. However, not one of them, including myself, and I made this point to one of them recently, not one of them can, can build a house. But people who can build a house, how are they being treated? Now, John is an apprentice electrician, most important uh, trade, most important trade. John, good afternoon. How's it going, Joe? What's happened? So, uh, basically, I'm going to my phase six for my electrical apprenticeship. And I've been given Sligo for the kind of the venue of the course. And um, I live in County Wicklow. Well, okay. just just south of Dublin, and I have two kids, twenty four years old, and um, my my partner. She's working part time now. She's got a job, so we can save for save for mortgage, basically. Uh-huh. And just you know, when when I was told that I'm going to Sligo, I thought it's not it's not that easy because um, you know we're we're trying to mind the kids. I'm minding the kids in the evening, you know when she goes to work and we're trying to save for the mortgage but Sligo I don't know how we're going to manage that you know and just explain John to people because apprentices in one sense died out even though they're so important and that's one of the reasons why we have such a housing shortage but it's not because that's of shortage right. of experts it's because of shortage, shortage of skills now how do, how do I become an electrician and how far along am I when I'm at phase 6 how do I become an electrician so basically, you'll you'll start a job with an employer in 
say in my case, an electrical contracting company. Okay. And they'll once they're happy with you, they'll sign you up for an apprenticeship. And then what you have is you've four phases on the job, mm-hmm. and then you've three phases off the job. So your first phase is on the job. Then your phase two is in college for six months. And when you say college, where are the colleges? Well, your your first phase in college is in a training centre. Okay. So there's a few of them around the country, like Ballyfermot and Finglas okay. and run, other ones around. Run by Anko, then Foss, now Sullis. That's right. Yeah, I don't know why they keep changing the name. But anyway, it's now <laughs> Sullis. So you, so you do one phase on the job, one phase in a training centre. Training centre. And then next? Next is a phase on the job again. Okay. And after that... Your phase four, which is the second batch in college, and right. phase six, which is the third batch in college, they're in IT centres. So you've done you you've done phase six. Are you so, ex- well, I've done phase two and I've done phase four. Okay. I had phase six coming up now in January. And phase six means you go to a college again. Yes. Okay. And they've told you, even though you're in Wicklow, you can't go to Ballyfermot. and you've got to go to Sligo. Yeah, well, see, Ballyfermot is a training centre, but there are IT centres for ah. phase six around Dublin. But the the issue is there's there's no kind of place in your application or anything for, for location. And it, it's understandable to a point, mm. you know, because you'll have uh, you'll have a limited number of places and if, if places come up in a certain centre, they're going to have to send people to it. But at the same time, there's no kind of exceptions made for people uh, like myself, you know, that have kids yeah. and are minding, minding them, you know. In the but is it, is, it, is, it, is the location a lottery or do, do they ask you, have you got preferences? No, it's, it's a bit of a lottery. Like when I, was in my, when I was in my second phase, there was a fella that was coming from the far side of Athlone and he had a wife and kids and he was well into his 30s, you know, and he had no choice. He just had to go and... There's places that were a lot closer for him, you know, but it's just the look of the draw, really. But we, we are crying out for electricians and plumbers and carpenters and bricklayers. Yeah, and we sure are. And why, why, why are we making it so difficult for you? I'm not too sure, you know. It's like I wouldn't have thought it would be, it'd be too hard to facilitate, like at least some sort of a form, you know, that if if you had a special request that they might kind of consider us at least you know but there's there's no system for that I was basically told that um, that if I were to reject to go to Sligo now I'll be offered a place in April and I can't put in a request prior to going there to change to a different place so that would be before they've assigned the places but at the same time he said you could get Sligo again if I were to turn it down now It'd only be pure luck if I got somewhere closer. Well, can you keep turning it down until you get somewhere closer, or do you lose well, the do you lose the slot? Well, the problem is you're you're then delaying your apprenticeship. So, yeah, I know, so I know, I know. From the point of view of being qualified, you know, and and it does like it delays your like if I were was to skip it now in January, I'd be given a place in April, hopefully, and then if I got Sligo again and skipped it and hoping for another place. It's not until then the latter part of the year when the, the, the third kind of batch of apprentices go into college, you know. So you'd be talking an extra year and it's already been delayed quite a bit by COVID, you know, so. But I just, I, 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 
it should be a national priority. Electricians yeah. and carpenters and bricklayers and plumbers and plasters and painters yeah, and builders. It's, okay. it's weird as well, you know, because like the government are prioritising climate and trying to reduce the cars on the road and kind of incentivise okay. people to, to, to be local, you know, and you, you have that, like you're driving to, to fly going back once a week, you know, which is a fair few kilometres on then, the road. But, but also, you're, you're exactly, and you're 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 leaving your family in in Wicklow. Yeah, that's the main thing, really. You know, we don't have anyone to mind the kids. The family can't really help because they're all working. Yeah. We're saving for a house, so we can't afford childcare. And you know, there's there's just there's no help out there. Solis have sent really. us have sent us in a statement, basically saying you were aware, you were made aware of this at the start of your training. Yeah. Well. It's, it's 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 not great, you know. Like it's 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 not asking for for much, really, you know. If if they were to have at least something, they say efforts like, efforts are made to accommodate special requests. This is not possible. Do they know you have a, a family, a, a partner, and children? Young yeah, children? well, I was in I was in contact with them, and I was basically told the only way to get an exchange is to go on Facebook and to to go onto one of the groups and to ask is there anybody around the country which would swap. I go for something clo- closer so even water would probably be better for me you know and um, they said if you get someone who accepts then you're going to get uh, or sorry you have to have the, the, the written permission from both apprentices and from mm-hmm. both employers and you have to send that then to an email address and then I was told if you well, get why aren't we making it easy for people to become it's not, it's not easy you have a lot of studying to do you have a lot of learning on the job to do I don't know how I don't know how electricians do it but why aren't we making it easy for to to generate and educate more electricians not sure really you know it's, it's, it, it should be a priority in my yeah, opinion well, because well, like when be. I was in school apprenticeships weren't prioritised at all it was everyone should go to college and they learned kind of the mistakes from that you know well, the priority in this country seems to be to talk about the housing crisis non-stop and announce things and condemn to condemn things no matter where you are. But I've never heard anyone say, well, I'm sure they did. But anyway, I, I hope people hear you, John, and uh, well done. And, and, and the sooner the better uh-huh. you become an electrician for you, uh, not just you and your family, but for us as well as a country. Uh, John, thanks. Thanks indeed. John thanks. is in County Wicklow. Joe, what happened this morning? Storm Barra. Oh, hi, how are you? Yes, um, well, this morning I was on a, an airplane and... Um, yeah, basically, as it was coming into the airport, um, the uh, the as it got close to the ground, it was very like um, rocking from side to side. Okay. And basically, as we were getting close, you know, you can see the ground as you're coming close. Yeah. Then yeah. they just I, I was near the wing, and you could see the flaps go up, and they just put the thrust up, and they just took off again real fast. Um, and then the the pilot came on the intercom, and he said. Uh, We've just did, done a um, a missed approach procedure. Okay. Which is basically they were they they tried to land, but it was too um, rocky. So he said, "We're going to stay up here for five minutes, and okay. we'll let you know then what we're going to do." Okay. So then, um, uh, what, yeah, was the, so what then, was the, what was the reaction to the passengers? Uh, well, everyone was pretty scared. Um, so yeah, you could kind of tell everyone was scared. Um, so the, he he pulled the plane around back over the sea, mm-hmm. and then as he came back in, then. Kind of the five minutes you're up there, you I think it could, the tension kind of builds. Yeah. So by the time he was coming down again, I I put myself into like that crash landing position, you know, with your head down. Wow. Was that your and, own? Uh, was that your own decision, or 
That was my decision, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't want to, you know, if the worst came to the worst. Okay. But then basically I could hear the, the woman beside me sobbing. I, I had my eyes closed because I was breaking it, but I, heard, I could hear the woman beside me sobbing. And then I could feel her like grabbing onto my sleeve and stuff. And then she was like apologizing for grabbing me. Oh, God. So, yeah, I just put my head down and just kind of waited and then eventually we landed. But then when, when, when the plane stopped and we, we, we got on the ground and I stood up and... I, I I found out that a child two seats ahead had had vomited. Oh, gosh. I, yeah, his father had stood up, and you could see all the uh, vomit on his bum. And wow. then, um, as I was getting off the plane, there was a, a, a an elderly lady, and she was so sitting there, and there was vomit all over the floor. Ah, the poor woman. Yeah, and and yeah. Joe, the lady that grabbed your jumper, was she okay? <laughs> yeah, she's a bit emotional. Like yeah. she was, she 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 was a bit, you know crying but I think you know she was she was ultimately fine okay well well everyone's safe and sound and well done to the to the crew yeah. as well and then we you, you disembarked as as normal yeah you know like when you're when, when you're coming down and the plane kind of moves real quickly down yeah. you can feel it in your in your stomach because it's a drop yeah 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 it's kind of like a roller coaster when you go over a bump my my friend's mom calls that a nun's orgasm okay well I'll take a word for it Okay, no one's orgasm. I haven't heard that before. <laughs> that was at a great play in uh, the Viking Theatre last night. Uh, Peter shared his new play, Philo, and it's, uh, there's a nun and uh, a Dublin inner city uh, woman and the banter between them, including uh, phrases like that, uh, do emerge, but it's a great, great play. Now, unfortunately, the Viking will have to go to 50% from tonight, but I'm told there's still tickets available. Okay, Joe, you're safe and sound at home. Well done. That's Joe and counting me. Joe at RT.ie. Talk to Joe on 0818 Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Going electric? Plug into the Kia e-range of EVs and PHEVs. Kia. Movement that inspires. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. I've just been sent footage. There's the sound. That's from Fastnet Lighthouse as we speak, believe it or not. And the three lighthouse keepers on the, uh, on the Fastnet, one of the most uh, impressive lighthouses in the world, are Paul Barr and Ronnie, and Ronnie O'Driscoll. And they've posted this video in the last few minutes. And Alan, of course, Alan O'Reilly sent it to us. Um, uh, where I think the the, uh, the wind speed is over 115 kilometres. Incredible. And those three, uh, there's two men named. I don't know if the third person is a woman or what, but those uh, three people are on uh, Fastnet, as we speak, doing an incredible job, an incredible service as, uh, what's the phrase that George Bernard Shaw used about lighthouses? I can think of no other edifice in the world whose only role is to, his only role is public service, nothing else. A lighthouse, only role, uh, public service. Okay, I mentioned lottery earlier on to to, um, to John about his apprenticeship and, of course, that generates calls to us about the lottery because of various issues that have been raised about the lottery at the moment at the National Lottery. Ellen Armstrong. Yes, hello, Joe. 51 jackpots now, not one. And it could go on to 100. It could go on. But that's the look of the draw, Ellen. No, no, no. It's planned. Definitely. And what I was saying was people should support their 
Okay, well, people, uh, say, say, every... we'll try and get a better line, Alan. People just support a better uh, telephone okay. system. Say that, not, not your fault, not your fault. Kevin Devitt, Kevin, you've contacted us as well. Go ahead, your point, please, because you make a, a strong number of points here. You're from Las Vegas. You say, I see firsthand what addiction can do. Now, the National Lottery uh, argued that the lottery isn't a, isn't a form of gambling addiction. Scratch cards aren't a form of gambling with uh, gambling addiction. But your observations, please, Kevin. Hi, Joe. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, watching uh, people play the lotto for years over here. Okay. And some people, they play like one or two games a week. Mm-hmm. And some people I see playing it 20, 30 times a week. Yeah, yeah. They might, they might buy a ticket. You go into the, the local market here and they might buy a uh, you know, $50 worth of uh, scratch tickets, you know, just for the day. You see them a couple of days wow. later, they're buying more. So it is very addictive. The thing I was getting in touch with about mm-hmm. was the, uh, the unclaimed money Yeah, goes right back to the lotto to advertise That's the right. lotto. So the losing money, yeah. people are losing, it's going back to get more money, more people to gamble. It's up to 2% and. uh and this was that's that's well spotted because that was in the new contract given to premier uh, lotteries when the Canadian Teachers Fund uh, bought the lottery basically back in two sixteen, and previously unclaimed winnings of which there's quite a lot apparently unclaimed winnings people losing tickets people forgetting people losing scratch card unclaimed uh, winnings went back into the prize fund. But what they got changed in the new contract was that unclaimed winnings could go back into the marketing fund. Yeah, and that was uh, based on this on 2014 numbers, was $12 million. 2% is unclaimed. I mean, just think what that could do for the, like the Matter Foundation or the, uh, the Children's Hospital, Crumble Children's Hospital. I mean, that could change the you're life saying, of just, You just come back and line up. But you're saying that the unclaimed prize money can amount to 11 million, I presume you meant euros a year. It was 12 million, 12 million in, a year. Year. in wow. the year 2014. Well, well spotted, yeah. So that's, that's go, that goes back to Premier Lotteries now and they can use it for marketing. Marketing. More, you notice there's more commercials on TV now for Lotto. It's on yeah. every... Every hour, you know, it's just like watching the sports lines on the sports channels, you know, about the gambling. You know, I'm not, I'm not against gambling. I, I mean, I grew up in Las Vegas. Okay. I used to deal, I used to deal all the casino games, but they don't build those big buildings of people winning. You know, it's as simple as that. They have billion-dollar well, buildings. One thing I've noticed in the last week or so that the national lottery which they're perfectly entitled to do, are taking out ads. I think they've taken out ads in every single newspaper, including newspapers they don't normally advertise in, i.e. when there's a big lotto uh, jackpot, they advertise extensively in the tabloids, the star, the sun, the mirror, uh, and the mail to a lesser extent. They 
tend to keep away from the Irish Times and they tend to keep away from the Indo. But what they've done this time is uh, they've all taken, the National Lottery have taken full-page ads in the Irish, in fact, a series of them over the last week, which I'm sure every newspaper in the country at the minute is struggling, is glad of a full-page ad from the National Lottery. But they're not advertising the National Lottery. They're praising the journalists in that particular newspaper, all great, who've won awards in the National Lottery Media Awards. So, but that's why are you laughing? That's legitimate, Kevin. Sounds like they're serving their own purpose, sir. What do you mean? Well, if they're taking ads out to, uh, it's like uh, that and somebody in the back who uh, to get better to get better print to get ah, better, but that, that, better reaction. That would never happen in Ireland. <laughs> Joe, you've been here longer than I have. <laughs> No, I just, I just thought it was interesting. And the, the other more interesting thing as well is that in every news report, in other words, every newspaper, rightly so, says four of our journalists have won four different awards in the National Lottery, in, in the, the National Media Awards, but not one single newspaper mentioned in the news report that the Media Awards were sponsored by the National Lottery. So the, the National yeah. Lottery had to take out full-page ads in the same newspapers to say, oh, by the way, we sponsored... Anyway, that's, that's part of their marketing budget. That's part of their marketing budget. Though there was a time when uh, Benson and Hedges used to sponsor the National Media Awards until the two princi- few principal journalists say, hang on a minute, what are we doing uh, letting Media Awards be sponsored by one of our biggest advertisers uh, and it comes from uh, Smokey. But anyway, that's that's the way the world... Ellen, are you back, Ellen? Uh, you're not, Ellen. <laughs> but you said, Hello? basically, you're... And so people, people can do what they want, but remember, uh, what is it, 30... 30 cent of every euro spent on the lotto goes to good causes. Good causes, by the way, as decided by government ministers, not as decided by an independent commission. Good causes as decided by certain government ministers. But anyway, Ellen, I'll I, I retail your point here because the line is so bad. Ellen is saying uh, you should spend your money on uh, local lottos, for example, your gag club or your community centre or your Meals and Wheels. Joe at RT.ie. Thank you both. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Live line on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Discover our 2 to 1 offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to kia.com. Joe Duffy! Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Des McDermott is up in Warren Point. I was looking at images earlier on from Carrick Fergus, which were pretty. Dramatic generated by Barra Des. What's it like in Warren Point? It's quite scary, Joe, at this stage. Oh, like, there's a lot of a lot of emergency services and stuff. Wow. I was heading for a call from heading from Warren Point to Ross Trevor. <clears throat> the council were just putting down signs and trying to forcefully because the signs were blown out of their hands. And I, I thought I'd get through it, but that was a wrong thought. I thought I'd get up on the sidewalk and it was about a, a, a must be a foot deep, so I see damage to the wheel, but. Uh, my this my dashboard of my car has become like a a, a Christmas tree. There's not many lights on it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I'm getting I'm get a hundred yards and it's time we stop and oil and this, that and the other. So I shouldn't have went through it. But there's a lot of cars. There's five or six cars stuck on it there. There was a couple of trucks stuck on it. 
But uh, Richie, your your researcher, you, you asked me, did I see anything spectacular? And I should have. Mm. I actually saw a hen lay the same egg twice. That wouldn't be here. <laughs> <laughs> well done. But stay safe, Des, to all Absolutely. our listeners up north because it is hitting, uh, especially the east coast uh, up there, very heavily. Alan O'Reilly mentioned Drahadent and Dark going to get the brunt of it this afternoon. Des, stay safe. That says uh, Des McDermott in Warren Point, a county down. Uh, Jerry, back to uh, becoming. Um, an anonymous and unknown criminal to yourself. What happened, Jerry? You were talking about the cannabis yes, story. Yes, you, um, were, you were growing cannabis. Yeah. <laughs> well, eventually, yes. Um, we, we have a flower bed along one side of our back garden and I was weeding, weeding it one day. Oh, this is five or six years ago now. And I saw this plant that was different. It wasn't one of the weeds and it wasn't one of the flower plants that I had planted. So I took a good look at it and said, that's a lovely plant. I'll I'll grow that, whatever it is. So I put it in a pot and it grew fairly quickly to about one foot high. And then I put it in a bigger pot and it continued to grow up to about three feet. And I had no idea what it was. Never crossed my mind. Uh, But one day a friend of ours called in and we sat in the back garden and he said, oh my God, where did you get that? And she obviously had some experience of, okay. of, of use, using or at least seeing cannabis. So he told us what, what it was, and my wife wanted to get rid of it straight away in uh. case we get in trouble. But I wanted to keep it to see how it developed. Okay, you're, you're, so, you're, you're the biological interest. You were, you were in yeah. your nature. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I had no interest in, in using it for, medic- yeah, yeah, yeah. for medicinal purposes. So anyway, it, it grew to about three foot high and it was a really lovely plant, distinctive leaves. But we were going on holidays for two weeks and we were away. This was about the end of September, I think. And uh, I put it in the garage for safety and security. I didn't want the neighbours snitching it. And um, anyway, when we got back from holidays, it was dead. So that was the end oh, of okay. my pot, pot story. Um, and thank, it, thank God someone didn't set it on fire to get rid of it. There, uh, would, have been, there would have been some aroma off it with wafting across I, your back garden. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Okay, Jerry, thanks indeed. I want to go back to Alan O'Reilly of Carla Weather before we finish. Alan, uh, it's an hour since you've been on. We're hearing and getting lots of calls from the north. Carrick, Fergus, Warren Point. Seems to be very bad up there. Yeah, there's some very strong gusts along the northeast at the moment, actually. I was just looking at that in some of the reports. And it's really started to hit the west coast now. So we have that red warning coming into effect in Clare at 4 p.m. Okay. But at the weather station at Money Point in Clare, it is high up, but it's reported a gust now of 150 kilometres an hour in the wow. last 20 minutes. So Barra is starting to take his turn across um, Ireland. And really now the west coast are about to feel the full effects of Storm Barra. And that footage you posted um, of Fastnet Lighthouse. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it, uh, to be honest with you, it's almost, I, my stomach started to nearly get seasick looking at it, Joe. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's a, it's a very exposed lighthouse, as you said, one of the most remarkable lighthouses in the world. In the world yeah. and, and it was seeing gusts of 161 kilometres an hour with seas of over nine and a half metres. It's, wow. It really is. It, I mean, it'd be amazing to, to be there to witness it, but I'd imagine very scary at the same time. And there's there's three lighthouse keepers on it. 
they're, they're doing. They're not normally there. It's, it's not normally a man's lighthouse, but they're there doing maintenance. Wow. They're, they're there doing work. Um, so yeah, the the the, the Cape Clear Ferry uh, Company shared the footage, and I, I shared that on Twitter oh, and well Facebook. Done. It's, well it's amazing. Because the Fastnet, and it's 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 unfortunately for for many reasons the Fastnet tragedy and and um, various. The Fastnet Lighthouse is there uh, over a hundred and twenty years. It was built by hand without uh, hydraulic equipment. The 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 pieces, the blocks on it, were assembled, were cut, and to precisely cut. It's a tapered cylindrical tower. They were precisely cut in Cornwall and they were shipped over and uh, put together like Jenga almost on this outcrop of a rock that's like Skellig, a very smaller version of Skellig. It's one of the most remarkable buildings in the world. And it again, is. Um, and what's fascinating as well, Joe, is if people want to follow it on Twitter, there's an automated Twitter account that the Irish Lights oh, brilliant. have. Um, so the at Fastnet L Lighthouse, um, at Fastnet L House on Twitter, up every 15 minutes it tweets the uh, the wind speed and the wind direction. So wow. it is very interesting to watch it. And I was, as I, as I said earlier, I was trying to remember the quote from um, George Bernard Shaw about uh, about light, lighthouses. It's just, I can think of no other edifice constructed by man as altruistic as a lighthouse. They were built only to serve. It's not a beautiful phrase. And by man, he meant humanity, of course, at the time. I can think of no other edifice constructed by man as altruistic as a lighthouse. They were built only to serve. And at times like this, especially for uh, seafarers, and they've lots of other roles now in terms of um, weather and uh, scientific uh, research. It was absolutely fantastic. Alan, stay safe and well done for all your work. Alan, are you, in real life, you're a computer analyst, aren't you? I work for Black Knight, yeah. We do yeah. web hosting in the main, so that's the day job for Black Knight and Carlo. Okay, okay. I hope they're proud of you. Well, they're they're very generous to let they're me good. spend some time well, doing the updates. So. You're great. And well done to Black Knight. What do Black Knight do again? We do web hosting in the main names. So okay, then they, okay. Well, I hope, hopefully it's not a Black Knight tonight that people stay in and stay safe. Thanks indeed, Alan O'Reilly. Today's producer was Annette. Uh, Egan and um, Ray Darcy. Ray Darcy is next. Live line on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Discover our 2 to 1 offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to kia.com. 0818 715 815 stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie.